Dun 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 dun. I am the great white buffalo. Hear me run. My name is Lex McMahon, and I'm down a hundred pounds. I still can lift a house, and I'll beat you into the ground. How is that? I love it. My own theme music. Bro, we we all have to have theme music in our lives. You know that, right? I think so. It's 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 the the melody of uh, our journey, right? Well, well, if you had any any place to go for theme music, where would you go? What would it be? So I I, I can't remember if I've shared it with you or not, but the yeah I did I sent you the video right. So for me, it's Leonard Skinner's Simple Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. So like, there's a the slow mo of Lex walking with yeah. with Simple Man going. Man, that is a. That's a that's a heavy song from Leonard Skinner, brother. It is, you know what I mean. And why I love it is, I think it it personifies the approach to life I've taken. You know, I, I think, um, you know, our younger years we have all these visions of what we think is important to us, and whether it's you know money, power, fame, whatever it might be, um, or all of those things, because I think that that's what society tells us we should be striving for, right? And um, the older you get with some wisdom and, uh, you know, bumps in the road, you learn that the simpler you keep things, the happier you are. Let me ask you this, man. That's that to me why that resonates with me so much. Well, I mean, did it, did it hit you when you were a kid in in Beverly Hills going to Beverly Hills high? And because obviously in that area, man, there's just a profound amount of, of, of external influences that drive materialism or drive sure. wealth and power. It's not reality. It's not. It, it definitely is. And here in, in, in you, I mean, we see it obviously down here in Southeast Florida as well too, man, that excess is, is a component of our cultural status, right? So was it, was it, I mean, did you, at, a, at an early age, did you start to recognize the, 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 the shortfalls that have to do with that mentality or, or was it one of those things that was driving you, which ultimately got you in the core? You know, I, I mean, right. You know, my story, uh, unlike, unlike, you know, most people, you know, my mom at 14 ran away and, and had me, um, you know, my biological father was a you know big time drug dealer and he made her a mule, you know, and she was running around with Coke and weed strapped to her body wow. at 14 years old. And, you know, we had really nothing. I mean, she ran away when I was three months old from my dad because she knew how bad the situation was. And she had $300 in her pocket and ended up in San Francisco. She just told me this part very recently. Um, Ended up in San Francisco. She was getting out of a cab. She had me, right? And she was reaching into, like, she got out of the, the cab and walked around to get uh, her purse and her luggage and the cabbie took off and the money was in her purse. So here she is. She is, you know, 14, almost 15 years old on the streets of San Francisco and has nothing except me and was taken in by a transvestite who was in process of the surgical, you know, kind of, process Mm -hmm. and he he took us in for i think my mom said three or four weeks until she was finally able to 
figure out to get a hold of because unlike today with technology where it's instant you know it was much tougher then mm-hmm. um where she was finally able to get a hold of um you know my grandfather and my grandmother and and you know kind of tuck her tail between her legs and, and get home uh, or find a way to get home mm-hmm. and um so we really had nothing like we wow. really did and i grew up with very little i grew up with her um scratching and clawing to find a way you know so now fast forward she's scratching and clawing to find a way she's moved us to beverly hills but there's beverly hills yeah. and there's beverly hills yeah there's the beverly hills <laughs> they called it beverly hills adjacent yeah right and, the and side it, alleyway little duplex 100 <laughs> percent. We, we lived in a two-bedroom apartment that was no bigger than the office I'm sitting in right now. And my office is, is amazing, but it's not big. And, uh, but she wanted me to go to the best school possible. And so she did what she had to do. But, you know, I'm sitting in an environment where kids are driving to school in Ferraris and Porsches. And, you know, not me. <laughs> Ever. And so I looked at that and, I mean, I was fortunate because I was surrounded by all, I mean, I had tons of amazing friends and I'm still friends with these people now, you know, my five or six core guys that I was close with in high school, um, we're all still close. Wow. And, you know, they came for the most part up in very affluent families. um, And, you know, they never treated me as less than. Uh, They always shared whatever they had. um, And it exposed me to you know a different life and seeing things um and then obviously my mom married and Mm -hmm. into great wealth and and you know i got exposed again through that but what i did notice as a result of it is really wealthy people have to work harder to be happy oh my god yeah you know because people think oh money is happiness no man there's so much associated with with that money and the creation of that wealth that is it's it's a burden and people don't understand more burden you have the harder it is to be free and and be a simple person and that simple that simplicity is where you're unencumbered so you it's easy to be happy i mean you look at a kid all the third world countries you and i've been to collectively right doing the job and you see kids playing with like an empty water bottle from our MRE package and they're happy. They're giggling. They're smiling. You don't need money, um, status assets, any of that to be happy. Well, let me, let, let me ask you this then brother. Cause that's, that's, I mean, that's, that sounds like, um, uh, the, the theory within that we know to be true. However, when the external environments are shaping, uh, um, the context of, of how you're able to find simplicity, it, it makes it sometimes very difficult to, to see and feel that potential down the road, in particular, look at what we're going through right now, right? We're, we have 22 million people that have signed up for uh, unemployment. Uh, are, we're having uh, probably the worst economy since the Great Depression. We, there's no idea when the end is in sight or when the turnaround is going to happen or anything. I mean, some promising stuff yesterday about opening the country back up. But do you imagine that in this vast, uh, this, <laughs> this, this 
these great planes of, of hardship that the, the country are seeing, are people going to come out of this with a, more, with a greater uh, um, comprehension of the simpler things in life? Do you think? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm an optimistic pessimist, right? <laughs> so I, I, That's kind of contradictory, bud. You know that. Exactly. It's the duality of man, right? Amen, but amen. It, the reason I say that is I know human nature, right? Mm -hmm. And human nature in the modern era is a lot about entitlement and, and the material, right? Mm -hmm. But I believe, and this is where the optimism comes into play, I believe when you go through a situation like this, think about, you know, we'll use our two families as examples, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not wealthy dudes, but we have good lives. We've, we're able to take care of our families, give them opportunity. And what we've done in that process as we've gone through this where we're not working the way we normally do is both of us have spent more time with our families, right? Conscious you know, decisions, right? To absolutely. Recognize so in, that. in my instance, it's, you know, every dinner is a dinner that we sit down and, and break bread together every single day, you know, and that's in addition to the typical pancake Sunday we do. <laughs> Which, we by do. the way, has bled over into our household every Sunday. <laughs> it's a good thing, man. It's, yeah, a good it's thing. so good. Traditions are important. It's so good. Um, but then, you know, we do game night. Um, you know, probably three nights a week, movie night, one night a week. And it's all this time that we're spending together is strengthening our bonds. We're having to do, um, you know, I've stopped earning, you know, most of the income that I typically do. You've stopped earning a lot of the income you typically do. And we're just exemplars of every, you know, person in the world, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and when you you're in that situation, you find ways to, to innovate and create opportunities for fun with, with less. And guess what those opportunities involve? Spending time. Yeah, man. It's something that we don't do as much of in a, a, a society that's all about push, drive, drive, technology, this, that. Nah, man, think about dudes in, in back in the, the log cabin days, right? You know what I mean? You're in the prairies. It's it's your log cabin and the Great Plains, and that's it. And it's your family. Look, you're gonna find a way to entertain yourself, and I think that that's what we're we're going back to to some degree. I think people will come out of this experience, hopefully, um, with a renewed sense of of family. Um, I think there will be an understanding that ma the material things aren't as important as we think they are, and we're going to all have to adjust our, our economic perceptions due to the economic downturn that we're dealing with. Right. And, and we're all going to have to make those adjustments. And I honestly, I think it's a positive. I think we will come back stronger. It's going to take time. Um, I think that strength will come from the perspective that we will have gained through this experience. Uh, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I, I think I, I look at it just from, my own personal experiences of going through hardship and what happens on the other side. You can do the historical uh, contemplation of every great, you need to get that. No, no, no we're good. Okay. We're okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cause I've got them walking back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I caught it out of the corner of my eye and I was like, what? 
awesome. And there's no, the, it could be Ashley and I could get my ass kicked. When yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. I'm going to see the right hook come in right now. Uh, you know, and there's the historical context of, of going through very difficult times in our societies and, and, and the slow climb out of that and what, what it does and, and, and how we, uh, you know, that, that bitter taste of, of, of hardship that lingers to reshape our focus on the simpler things in life. What, what I find remarkable too right now, and, and John and I, we, we kind of laugh about it, is, is all these uh, influencers, right? All of these big time people that are showing us the way towards the, the, the focused, healthy lifestyle are getting pummeled, man, because they're doing it in their mansions, they're doing it on yeah. their private yachts, or they're, you know, whatever they're doing, and, and people are just like, hey, man, that's irrelevant I, right I now. I can't relate to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, right now, I'm thinking, how do I make, you know, a Thanksgiving dinner out of a loaf of bread and a turkey, <laughs> and a turkey sandwich meat, you know, like, that's kind of where we're at right now, like, we're doing more with less. Let me ask you this, when, when people... And, and, and I think, you know, this is a unique thing also, because I know you have opened your home to two fighters that uh, are, you're close with, that you have had an influence in their lives and their careers, and they've, they're from different areas in the world. They've come in and, and they're seeing kind of uh, this, different, um, this different life, right? Your life, your house, your but it's open and it's welcoming and warming. Are they also contributing in a way where they're becoming a part of the family? A hundred percent, you know, and, and that's the thing that's great is, and I've noticed this about, you know, I think fighters in general are, people have a misconception, you know, they think fighters, they think, you know, kind of Buddhist type of folks. Um, you know, Rami Hamed, who's staying with me is uh, Russian Lebanese. He uh, is an engineer by education and, wow. and um, job prior to becoming a professional fighter. I mean, he's been, I guess they, he, he's done those on a parallel path, but now he's, he's just a professional fighter. Um, he brings so much insight into the family. Um, he takes it on himself to help both girls with uh, math to give my wife a break as she spends, you know, really um, probably six hours a day acting as teacher, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, while there's a lesson plan that comes from school, you know, the kids need help executing that. Absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, he provides a break for my wife so that she can take a moment for herself, which is important, right? Um, and he's a great, he's a great tutor, teacher. The kids really relate to him. Um, but the, more importantly, he also brings us that, that sense of additional uh, culture, you know, helping my kids understand the world in a, in a under a broader lens, um, because he talks about life in Lebanon and, and what it's like now where their economy is so distressed. Like, you know, our economy is under duress. The Lebanese economy is, is essentially gone. Yeah, it's collapsed. And he, um, so he explains what that means. And when he earns, you know, a dollar here in America, he only gets about 10 cents of that by the time he gets it back to Lebanon. and. Wow. You know, it, it's so it's helping my kids. And then obviously we have Shorty Torres who is here and he, you know, he comes from very rough background. Even he's Mexican and Puerto Rican by heritage, but he comes from a very tough part of Chicago where crime um, 
and frankly, you know, the murder rates are significantly higher than even, you know, in places like Afghanistan, where, wow. you know, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a rough place. So he, both, having both of those gentlemen here in our home um, helps my, my family, I think, to, to understand that, you know, the, the bubble that is Parkland, which is, you know, affluence and, <laughs> and, and, and kind of happiness and like, it's not everything. And yeah. it, there's, there's so much more to the world. And, and so it's great. But they also, each of them cooks a meal once a week to help us understand kind of the, the, their culture again. Um, but they also, you know, my wife walks in with, here's a bucket and some towels and some cleaning spray. <laughs> go, go clean your bathroom. And Rami's out there um, vacuuming. Um, yeah. So they're contributing members to the house. And then, you know, we train together uh, every day, sometimes twice a day. Bro, so I, I just want to make huge. a quick interjection right now, dude. You look fantastic, by the way. I, you and see I, my jawline. There's uh, no jowls? It, 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 I was well, just noticing it. No jowls. It, it's like it's chiseled, man. And then, <laughs> you know, you posted that one picture on on uh, Instagram where you were underneath the, the pier down in Deerfield at sunrise. And even someone commented, man, you look like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and I was like, he looks better than Brock Lesnar. I, I've been working hard, man. I've been working hard. And, and, and I can't wait for us to have a conversation about why I've been working hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking um, forward to I'm that. I'm excited too. for that at the appropriate time. I really am. Well, uh, I, I just. going to delve into another really important aspect of of that idea of being a simple man and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, let's keep going with that. Cause I think it really is one of the reasons why I love you as much as I do is because of not that you're simple minded by any stretch of the means, but just that you're, you, you're able to take these large complex experiences, right? These, these, um, and, and really over the course of a long narrative, a lot of people are, are, are very focused in one particular phase of their life. That's where they, they extrapolate the most information that they then apply in their lives day in and day out, right? That those, those hard times they think, but you've had it from day one since that on the street of, of San Francisco, man, you know, and the deserts and, of Arizona. I mean, that's, that's where my man, my mom ran away from, my drug dealing father. Think, like, think about literally, that. Literally, she was there was there was huge eighteen wheelers full of marijuana that he had in the compound that he was getting ready to distribute across the country. Wow! And my mom was like, "Wow, this is really bad," you know. And and she she just had this intuition that she had to get out. So in the middle of the desert, miles and miles and miles away from anything, she grabs three hundred dollars because it's the only thing she could get access to and me and struck out on her own. So that's, that's how my story begins. It, it's, it's, it's like the, you know, the Jews wandering the desert, you know, and, and, <laughs> and coming back, analogy. you know I mean? That's how I start. Wow. And, and, and I think that's what, you know, our, over the course of our friendship more and more and more. And, and as, as we both continue to experience all different types of, of twists and turns in the narrative of our existence, um, you know, I just see your, your, um, your thought process, your consciousness get more and more refined towards these concepts of simplicity. What are some things that you think people um, in the midst of all of this can turn to in terms of their life? How can they, how can they reduce or refine 
their fears, their the unknown, the the hardships of where we're at economically. How can we ref, how can they begin to refine down to a more simplistic um, um, framework for which they can then strive out into the desert themselves? You know, Rudd, I appreciate the question, and I think it. it it's going to boil down to probably two or three things, um, which will sound very easy, but will truly be the hardest things that you can endeavor to do. Um, it's only through that difficult, hard work do you get to that place, right? So first and foremost, I believe this to be the ultimate, the ultimate, um, it's the ultimate truth, right? Mm -hmm. The hardest thing a human being can do is to be honest with themselves. So none of us want to be fallible. We don't want to be seen as less than. We want to be able to portray an image of, hey, we can handle it. We're doing well. That's why Instagram and all this shit, it, it, why it, it, it resonates with people so much. Why it's so popular? Because you can put forth the narrative that you want. You control that narrative. How? How infrequent is it that people put up their worst day on social media? <laughs> There's only Some people get it and they do it and people are like, oh my God, mind blown, you did that. <laughs> Most people are like, wow, here I am with the president. It's a cardboard cutout of you know, Donald <laughs> Trump, but whatever. Like people are putting on such a facade because it's so important how people perceive them. They aren't being honest with themselves. And until you can be honest with yourself, right? You'll, you'll never, ever have the ability to be happy, right? So that takes you to the next point. Every morning you wake up, you make the cognizant choice of happiness. And you fight like you're the third monkey trying to enter onto the plank of Noah's Ark, and baby, it's raining. It's starting <laughs> to pour. And you've got to fight like hell to be the second monkey. That's what you got to do to be happy, right? It sounds simple. Be honest with yourself. Oh, yeah. I, why would I lie to myself, man? Bullshit. You lie to yourself all day long. All day long. And, and oh, of course I want to be happy. Well, prove it. Fight for it. And, man, I'm telling you, it's so much harder. And, I, and I, I know that because I've gone through it, right? I, I lived in this, this plane where I was telling myself that I was so much more than I was. And by acknowledging my deficiencies, I became so much more than I ever thought I could be. Mm -hmm. And by understanding that I was, was kind of the captain of my ship of happiness, right? Like I was in charge of that happiness. It didn't take some doctor saying you've got PTSD or it didn't take someone saying, look, you know, if you drink this, alcohol you're gonna feel better smoke this joint you're gonna feel better no man guess what all i have to do is wake up and say i'm gonna be happy today and then every action i take throughout the day is geared towards that happiness i think Boy, if i if i'm not happy at some point in the day it's my fault for sure i mean that that is the great self-awareness right that is this this great space where we ultimately get to uh, you know, a place where we can uh, uh, hyper-correct in real time, right? Where we can catch ourselves before we spiral down that pathway of, of lies. 
the, the challenge that is now is that it almost seems insurmountable. You've lost your job. Uh, you're about ready, you know, you know, there's, you know, the neighbors are calling uh, uh, the, the cops on, on you because they hear the screaming and the domestic, you know, disputes happening. Uh, there's no work in sight. Your, 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 your check you just received immediately went to half of what your backlogged on your rent is. Uh, you're running out of food. You, 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 the last time you went to the food bank, there were a thousand cars. How, how do you, what do you say to that person in order to interrupt that downward spiral to get back to that simple concept of happiness that, that it's a fight? Right. Life is hard, man. Like that's the reality. Life will beat you down every opportunity it gets. And you can either accept it or you can change the paradigm and, and start fighting back. Why, why, Lex? Why is life so hard? It just is, man. It's just, I mean, you know, there's so many things that are happening, right? That are going on that are external, that are out of our control. All right. Some virus gets unleashed out of China and sweeps across the world. Somebody sitting in Des Moines, Iowa has no control over that. They're just thinking, okay, I'm gonna get up today and go to work. Oh shit, well, the country is no longer open for business. I can't work, well, I can't pay my bills. The stimulus check isn't coming fast enough. This, you know, all those things. I, I would say that the, what you say to the person who's in that downward spiral is, to, to focus on the aspects of things that you can control. It's okay if, if you take a hit financially, you know, you'll rebound. Um, if you have to consolidate and make adjustments in your lifestyle, look, man, you don't need two cars. Truly, you don't even need one car. You can function without it. You can function without, you know, certain things. So strip yourself down to the bare essentials. and find a way to make those things sustainable. And from there, once you, I mean, I, I think one of the toughest stresses you can have, it's, it's not the toughest, but it's certainly one of the toughest is, is economic stress. And so how do you begin to mitigate that? And, and really, you know, especially when you're in the midst of it, man. And, and you know, I mean, like I, I tell my story because I've lived it, right? So I, you know, had nothing, for a huge chunk of my life was, you know, married into tremendous wealth, given opportunity, you know, when I came out of the military, great education, you know, went on and, and you know, did really well in business. 2008 comes, so not unlike 2020, right? 2008 yep. comes, minding my own business. I'm a, a vice president of a venture capital firm. I've got 30 deals in the pipeline that I've invested all my assets into because, the market is on fire. One or two of them is going to hit and I'm going to be set for life. I wake up the next morning and I've got nothing. <laughs> I'm bouncing at a bar at night with an MBA, a law degree. I've been a venture capitalist. I've been a successful entrepreneur. I've been in the U.S. Marine, like all these things. And I'm bouncing at a bar at night while during the day, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next in terms of real, a real career. Um, Lost my house, lost my car, um, kind of 
had my tail tucked between my legs and said, you know, I'm going to figure it out. And I fought like hell and, and, and it actually, the opportunity to get involved in MMA is, was my salvation. And Ashley was telling my wife was telling me, she's like, and in the beginning, like I didn't get paid. I was just doing it because I saw an opportunity. I saw, you know, looking with my, um, my business lens, I looked at it and I said, okay, the MMA world, the MMA business is the wild west. And in the wild west where there's all this chaos and noise, there's an opportunity for someone to come in and be successful. And I had to find out how I was going to do it. So I worked f for, for no money, you know, first writing articles and then doing endorsement deals, but it took forever to get paid. And, you know, so, you know, my wife's looking at me, she's like, you're spending all this time and, you know, dude, we, you know, we're losing things left and right. I'm like, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. And thank God it has. And it hasn't been easy, but it has. And, and, um, well, let, let's so talk I use about that, that as a like, template to say, I mean, I really stripped it down to what was, you know, could I keep a roof over my head? And to the point where I was getting ready to lose the roof, I, I found the next opportunity and made that sustainable and made a smooth transition and then built from there again. And, and, and I think that experience is what given me coupled with, you know, my time in Somalia and, and the lessons I learned from that um, and the lessons, you know, growing up the way that I did, that's what has allowed me to focus in on, on that, you know, honest um, discourse with myself, uh, which is the most liberating experience. As hard as it is, it's the most liberating experience you can have because once you know where you are and where you stand, you know what you need to do to fix it, it to move it, forward. It simplifies things, right? Yep. And, and then, you know, that dialogue about being happy. Um, you know, every day when I get up, like I'm laying in bed, you know, kind of collecting my thoughts, you know, there is that, that, that conversation. And it's like, all right, man, you know, there's this going on. There's this going on. What are we going to do? It's like, no, well, first thing you're going to do is you're going to get up and, and I've got Admiral McRaven in the back of my mind, make your bed, you know? So I always make my bed. You know, obviously that harkens back before I heard the McRaven speech, right. which I think is amazing. If you haven't heard it, you know, frog logic listeners, you need to run, yeah. you need to put a link in there for them for because sure. it's an epic speech about how you succeed in life. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, you know, I get up, I make my bed, and, and as I'm you know, kind of going through that morning ritual, I'm thinking about the ways that I'm going to be happy. And once, once I get to that place, man, really, my life is so much easier, so much simpler. Even when I'm confronted with challenges and adversity, I'm at peace with myself so I can deal with them. You know? that's, that's, I think that's one of the most pivotal moments in, in anybody's life. Unfortunately, it seems to take. Uh, a, a bit of time to, to, to work that wisdom up, right? To yeah. Uh, you, you've got to take some beatings to get to Yeah, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bloody so, and battered. <laughs> how, I mean, at, at one point when, with Alchemist, when you were you know, managing all those fighters, how, how would you drill that down? How did you get there? Or even the guys that are in your home now, and I know Stefan Struve has lived with you long periods of time, mm -hmm. and through various aspects of his career. That's how we met. But, but how, do you, how do you narrow that down so the athlete, the fighter, can process that in, in this very difficult arena, this sport, this profession that is 
modern day MMA? How do you, how do you, how do you whittle that down so these young men uh, and women can process this? I put them in a position where, you know, I think that a lot of times the athletes feel like they're almost an employee and that they are, you know, doing what they're told when they're told to do it. So it's, they're being told how to train, when to train, they're being told when to fight, where to fight, how to fight, you know, all those things. And so they, they don't take ownership of, of, of their life and their career. And I tell them, Hey, you know what? First and foremost, you're the CEO of your own business. We set it up that way, but you, if you're the, the, the kind of the captain of the ship, you know, the CEO of this business, everything comes to you for decision. So you have to put a really good team around you, best coaches, training partners, manager, you know, mental coach, strength coach, you know, all those people, the promotion that you fight for, all those things. And you have to realize that you have to make the right decisions to come out on the other, you know, there's a very finite amount of time that you have as a professional fighter to be successful. Um, the majority of fighters who make it to say the UFC, you know, they only have three fights and that's the, really? the, that's the, the career length. That's, that's the average. Three fights you know, for every Cowboy UFC? Cerrone that we know for every Brock Lesnar that we know for every Ronda Rousey that we know Conor McGregor that we, you know, there's tons of names we know. Right, but there's so many more on Thousands. a roster of you know at any given time 450 to 500 fighters that it's just a churn, man. They come in, they get a couple fights, and then they're gone. And then they have to go back to the you know the regional ranks to kind of fight, scratch and claw the way, and maybe get back up, or maybe they go to you know a Bellator or somewhere else. And um, it's very tough. So I say, listen, you've got a finite amount of time to capitalize and, and really make your mark and if you've only got a limited amount of time and every, every decision you make has to be, you know, with your self-interest and it doesn't mean being an asshole. It means that you make the smartest choice you can for your business and that the rest of us all work for you. And so it changes the paradigm for them a lot cool. because they feel that they're kind of, you know, they're working for someone else. And I'm like, no man, all of us work, including me, especially mm -hmm. we all work for you. My role is to be an advisor, so I, I get to advise on these really, you know, sometimes simple issues, sometimes very complex issues. At the end of the day, I, if I haven't educated you and empowered you with kind of the, the best guidance and advice possible, I've not done my job because you have to be able to make a decision once you've been given that information. And, and so that's how I frame it for them. Who are some of the fighters that, and I asked a similar question to Mike Brown, you know, the great coach over at ATT, yeah. you know, who are some of the, 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 the people that stand out in your mind that have been able to make those simplistic decisions that focus on themselves to, to, to reach uh, some concept of a pinnacle for them in their careers? Sure. I'll give a couple examples, some that all, you know, anybody who, whether they're a fight fan or not a fight fan will know. It's Conor McGregor. I think he probably has done the greatest job of, of being the master of his universe and, and leveraging everything and everyone around him to um, enjoy the most success possible during the, the time frame that he has. 
Um, so, you know, and I know his manager audio talk very well, and I, and I think the world of him, I think he's done a great job advising him, but at the end of the day, Connor's the, the cat who's really executed all of these things. And, and so, you know, he understands that concept. Um, I, I think also, you know, you look at a guy like say Stefan, you know, Stefan's done a great job because he knows in his mind what is important to him and he acts accordingly. And he's had a, you know, now 11 year career in the UFC, um, you know, up and down, tons of wins, tons of losses, you know, great wins, great losses, you know, I mean, but that's the sport, especially in the heavyweight division, but he has the longevity that he has um, because he's always had a good understanding of self and he's always been in control of, Hey, I'm my boss. I'm going to make the decisions and the people on my team are going to empower me. And if they don't empower me, they'll, they'll, you know, I'll make a change. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I mean, those, those are two, you know, I think really, you know, good examples, um, that I think everybody will have some degree of understanding with, obviously in Connor's case, no matter if you're a fight fan or not, you'll know Connor. Right. You know? Well, I, I like the concept that there are, you know, there is this abbreviated amount of time, right. To really get into, um, to get into that place where, where you can maximize the potential for your success, right? And what I'm hearing you saying is that you have to strip away all of the other things, right? And become singularly or simply focused on what that goal or objective is. And, and, and the, 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 what makes it viable is who you surround yourself with or what advice you begin to take. Because when you, when you start to uh, uh, kind of let other people think for you or let other people uh, instill a, a um, kind of uh, to enhance your ability to think something that you're not and not to be true to yourself, then the struggle becomes infinitely more difficult. How, how, how do you... How do you map out this trajectory for young kids in this pursuit of fighters, right? How do you, how do you coach them? How do you say, all right, th what's your goal? Obviously, you know, I, I want to be champion of the world in the UFC. Right. I mean, that would make the most sense. But, you know, how do you show them all of the steps that it takes to get to that and then to condense it in its simplest form that, that, that resonates through into their performance, their training. I sure. So, I mean, I think it's, it's two things, right? One, you have a, you sit down and have kind of an onboarding conversation with them, um, which by the way, is something that should be repeated um, at, you know, kind of a consistent interval so that you're making sure that you have alignment with the goals that you've set. Or if you're adjusting your goals, you're, you're making sure that you're adjusting the plan to meet those, that new adjustment. Um, so, you know, let's say we'll use the example, you know, I sit down with a fighter and I say, okay, brother, what, what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish in your career? I want to be UFC champion. All right. That's awesome. Okay. So now I'm going to, I'm going to give you that most challenging exercise that we as humans have. Let's be honest with yourself about where <laughs> you are. Okay. So yep. where are you presently? Okay. Understand your, your strengths and your weaknesses. And then let's build a plan to shore up all your weaknesses and make your strengths stronger 
than they've ever been. I, I, let me ask you, I want to interject real quick on yeah. this because as you, as you evaluate strength and weakness, right? It's very difficult to, to do that evaluation without somebody else's objective opinion, right? Or mm -hmm. subjective opinion. I mean, certain things are objective, right? Do you have a right cross? Do you know, can you shoot somebody who's a, a, a world-class wrestler, right? You know, there's skill sets that can be quantified and measured as it relates to the specificity of your particular weight division or the class of fighters you're fighting against, whatever. But in terms of the broader uh, perspective, how do you, how do you give, uh, how do you, how do you teach a person to have a better metric of truth in themselves? You know, that's a tough question, man, to be honest. I don't know that I, I've come up with um, a template for that, you know? Because you I, know I what think, I'm saying? Like yeah. when you, when you live in that truth, when it, and that truth is, is I, for me uh, in the past and some of the people I've worked with has been, all right, my failure is the truth. Sure. Right? That that's the because I reached the limitation of my ability performance-wise, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Right. I've reached that. That's my limit. There's my truth. There's my metric. But you know, it's very difficult for us to do that without the pressures of failure, without the uh, the that that factual information right next to our 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 misguided perceptions or the way we uh contort our own truths to fit the narrative we want in terms of our abilities right unless you have those but you know but butted up against each other to really nah that's not so much ah see here you didn't do this right. how do you i mean it, it's a very difficult thing to instill an appropriate metric in, in a person yeah well i mean I, I think part of it has to be you know that it becomes habitual yeah. You know, you have to sit down and say, listen, this isn't a one-time exercise. It's just like that bit about waking up every morning and making a cognizant choice to be happy. You also have to make a cognizant choice to, to evaluate where you are in terms of your, your journey and to be honest with yourself about your progress. Um, you know, and I think I just learned a really important lesson as we sat here and chat is I'm all about the discourse, the dialogue, right? But that dialogue, as I'm listening, can become circular if you don't put the right metrics together, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because you're just talking at that point. Like, look, at the end of the day, when you and I sparred three years ago, and I was fat as hell and out of shape, and you kicked my ass all over the place, I was honest enough with myself to know that that needed to change, because from a, a technical standpoint, I know I know a lot. Oh, so, my God. So, so out of shape that within... 45 seconds of eating a jab. I was like, Oh my God, you know? And so I had to, I kept having this dialogue with myself, right. About how I changed and how I would improve. And, and but the reality is I, I didn't sit down and say, okay, here are the 10 things I need to improve from my VO two max to this, to that, that, and I just beat my head against the wall until I willed it to happen. Right. Mm. And have I reached my potential? And the answer is no. And that's actually why I, I have been enlisting coaches to help me. I mean, I've got access to the best coaches in the world, right? right. Because of, of what I do professionally and the relationships I've developed. So, you know, I've, I've got the best striking coach that I can, I can get my hands on um, for me, which is Roger Crawl. I've got the best jujitsu and MMA coach for me, which is Jay-Z Calvin Conti. 
right? I, I've got a, a tremendous strength and conditioning group of people, everybody from JC Santana to uh, Dr. Corey Peacock. Um, and, and then, you know, just people that are, you know, I have access to, right? I'm picking their brains constantly. And I guess that's where I st I'm starting to get the, the metrics from and, and, you know, learning, okay, these are the things that I, because I'm, I'm constantly saying to myself, there's that constant dialogue of, are you where you need to be come X date? Have you taken the steps? I'm working my ass off is always the answer. I'm better today than I was yesterday is always the answer. Because those are both true statements. Am I where I need to be today for what I want to accomplish mid-September? I honestly don't know. Interesting. Because that's the big thing that we're, you know, that in the midst of, of this remarkably challenging situation that we're in, you know, how do you measure? How do you look at life it, with a true objectivity when, when the, the pressure, the stressors of, of, of most substantially the unknown, what's going to happen next? There are, are, are we going to get back to a regular economy or is, is the sports world going to, you know, just completely erupt it? You know, I, I, like I was telling you before, man, I, for me, I was, I was working with a, another major league professional baseball team and I walk in to give one speech to their minor leaguers and, and I walk out and the league has been canceled and, and all of these people and at the precipice of that measurement of their dreams, right? All of these people that are beginning their next seasons, they're in the trenches trying to climb up through AAA to get to that next level. You see it, these kids that are just scheduled for their next great fight that might be the fight that propels them into that next, you know, that next measurement where you're going to be considered for a championship bout, you know, man, where all these metrics seem to be on pause. So how in these spaces would you recommend for people uh, to uh, apply the, to, and gain uh, uh, almost a, 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 new, a new way to measure things in, in the Create world we're in now? Huh? Right? Create and innovate. Yeah, man. I mean, think about what, you know, when you were back in the teams or, you know, when you, know, when you were downrange with, you know, some other agency. Um, you know, or when I was in Somalia, you know, war is the ultimate chaos and uncertainty. For sure. Every plan, you know, we have a plan to get us onto the X, get us off the X and, and, and we're done, right? How often does that plan go awry? Virtually All the time. every time. Right? <laughs> every time. <laughs> so we're faced with uncertainty. What do we have to rely on? Our training, right? But our training taught us to be creative and innovative in problem solving. And I think that's where we are now, okay. you, know, you know, taking those lessons that you and I learned in the military and, and understanding that there is a translation for the normal person. Like when you don't know what's going on, when there is all this uncertainty and all this chaos, you can then say, okay, I can be creative. I can sit back and say, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if the job that I got furloughed from is going to be there May 1st, when the country open, starts, uh, starts opening back up. I don't know that. So what can I do in the interim to prepare myself for the, the possibility that that job isn't there again? Well, maybe I start a podcast and become the next Fog Logic. 
<laughs> the point is you begin looking within yeah. yourself to say, totally. what can I do? Right? How can I create a new opportunity for myself? If you're, if, if you're stuck in the, the woe is me cycle, right? You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna challenge yourself and take advantage of the time, right? We've all been given, you know, a, a tough deal, right? But some people are going to come out of this way better off than others. And those oh, yeah. people are going to be the people that use this time productively. Did you use it productively with your family? Did you strengthen your faith? Did you spend time on, on the physical aspects, right? Listen, if you haven't been working out during the quarantine, you've missed the greatest opportunity to get in shape. You've got nothing but time on your hands. And I don't care about this bullshit that you don't have access to a gym or this. Yeah. I mean, metrics, body weight, baby. You body can get out weight. and walk and run. Like there's so many things that you can, you've got the greatest commodity uh, uh, that you need, which is time. time. You need time to put the work in. Right. So for the people who've been productive and taken advantage of this time, they're going to come out stronger on the other end. But those are people that have innovated and have become creative in how they were going to do that. So wow. that would be my answer. I think, and 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 what you see it with certain people is you see that creativity kind of as a a natural component of of who they are, right? You, I, I love the fact that that Dana White was try is trying to secure a private island to fight, have international fight island, fight, baby. fight island, right? And and he tried to do it at a at a at an Indian game reservation, and and you know, unfortunately, the CEO of Disney and and ESPN stepped in and said, no, we're not doing it when he was trying to innovate and, and bring entertainment as well as to support all. There the is no problem in this world that doesn't have a solution. Amen. It just takes, I think, the, the, the balls to be willing to take the risk to create and innovate, you know, um, because you have to be willing to take risk. You can't be risk adverse. You know, Dana is, not a, is someone who is not risk adverse at all. He'll right. put it out there. He'll take what the naysayers have to say. He'll take the criticism. If he believes it in his heart, he's going to go and he, he's going to do everything he can to make it happen. And that's, I think, the mentality you need to have in a climate like we're in right now. For sure. I, I mean, it's all creativity, especially when you're blanketed with the unknown, right? When all of the traditional metrics of, of uh, uh, and, and, you know, kind of the, 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 the stated pathways forward, right? Oh, if you do this, then this happens. If you do this, well, all of that is changing dramatically now. And because the recognition of, of eight or nine or 10 or 11 billion people, uh, the, the probability of increasing pandemics, uh, uh, climate catastrophe, uh, potential war, uh, certainly nuclear terrorism, you know, all of that stuff just intensifies, right? I mean, the, the further along this pathway of, of evolution that we go down, uh, the unknown of, of that catastrophic alteration of our existence is, is becomes more and more, uh, uh, more and more relevant in terms of your thinking process. But yet what I'm hearing from you, that does not change the necessity for how you evaluate your life in terms of really uh, uh, paring down your simplistic approach to these core fundamental concepts that you talked about, the truth of yourself, right? Uh, how you gain a real understanding of yourself and then setting goals and proceeding forward with those goals. Um, do you think that 
that because of this, it's going to uh, shift the consciousness of our, our, you know, the world itself, but particular in, 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 in Florida, or not just Florida, but America, is, does, do we come out of this uh, with this newfound realization to simplify things, to get back to the basics, to the root cause of what drives us in, in, on an individual platform, right? Uh, to find happiness. Do you think that's going to last or is it going to fade away quickly like after 9-11 or some other time? You know, I think that there's, it's going to take leadership, right? It's going to take leadership from, from the political arena, especially, and not just the president, but, you know, our, our senators, our congressmen, um, all the way down to the local uh, civic leaders. But it's also going to take leadership and the faith, it's gonna take leadership uh, in business, it's gonna take leadership um, you know, in the schools. It, 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 it's so easy when things have been tough and then they become easier to forget the lessons learned, right? <laughs> oh, we're back to normal now, things are great. But are you prepared for it to get worse again? And, and if, if the answer is no, then again, you, you wasted the lesson right? You, you, that opportunity to learn and gain and improve, you just threw that away. Um, so I think if we have strong leadership, the, the, the lessons will be applied and they'll be sustainable. Um, because I think people have an understanding through having gone through this experience, that there's a need for it. You know, when at any given moment, the idea, and especially in America, the idea that our liberties can be taken from us is something that is foundationally uh, unnerving, right? The idea that you can't go outside, you must wear a mask, simple things, right? But as Americans, that's not the way we've been wired, right? Where you're told that this must occur. Um, so I, I think if people get complacent and they, they don't look back to this time, then it will have been a waste. But I really do think if we've got some strong leaders that say, listen, think about this time, think about the experience, how can we improve? And if, if people are willing, you know, there, there could be some really kind of paradigm shifting changes that occur, um, I think for the better. Like, I don't look at this as a horrible experience. It, it's, there's aspects of it that, that suck, there's no question. The economic impact, the, you know, the loss of life, the, you know, disruption day to day, you know, all of those things, right? They're bad. They're not, they're not in the good category. But there's so much that can be a positive that comes out of it that, man, what a waste if we don't take those positives, right? If we don't learn the lessons, we don't grow, we don't become closer with our families, we don't renew our faith, we don't, you know, any of those things that, you know, maybe we had taken for granted before, but now in, under this circumstance, you know, it brought us comfort. Like, and I'll go back to faith again. It's so easy, you know, when, when times are tough to reach out and say, God, I need you. I need you. Where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Come back to me. And then you embrace them and everything is you get that warm feeling and you're like, okay, I'm safe. I'm secure. Someone's got my back. And then you're driving, uh, you know, in the Bentley the next day because work is good and, and you know, the pandemic's lifted and life is amazing all of a sudden. God, who? Like, what? I don't have him on speed dial. Yeah, I mean, and so I, I think that if, if 
we really, again, are honest with ourselves about what's been important, what's helped us get through this experience. Uh, and we hold those things close and nurture them on a consistent, like, you know, again, faith, that's something that needs work. I've, I, I've experienced that myself so many times and you and I've talked about it so many times um, that if you don't spend the time having that, that conversation with, with yourself and with God, then you won't be able to receive what he's trying to give you, you know? And, and so it's just like anything else, man. Like it, it's, we've got to put the work in, you know, that, that's, there is no easy path in anything in this life. But if you put the work in, it can be epic. Oh, from your lips to his ears, brother. Oh, God. I, I just, Lex, thank you so much, man. I'm, um, there's no doubt that your message will resonate profoundly with, with all the Frog Logic listeners out there. And it resonates with me, as, as you know, I've told you repeatedly uh, just how much of a, an anchor you are for me in terms of uh, we've been for one another through through many many of life's challenges and incredible experiences amen and i look forward to it uh, again so thank sure, you so brother. much for sharing uh uh your simple wisdom with all of us i love you buddy thank you <laughs> all right brother love you talk soon you got it all right i just man there's nothing better than being on with lex man the guy has such incredible insight as to life and struggling and what you go through man, there is nothing better than just kind of keeping it simple. And that's the lesson we got it. So, you know, before we, we sign off, I just want to give a big shout out to all my sponsors and just how much I appreciate their, their help in, in supporting the Frog Logic podcast. Couldn't do it without them. Uh, just so blessed and thankful for uh, keeping it simple uh, with on it, man. And if you are a fan of human optimization and you're really looking to keep your immune system up, keep your focus, keep your uh, drive going through these difficult times with COVID-19, man, then check out Onnit's supply of incredible uh, stuff they have like this right here, Alpha Brain, man. Every morning I wake up, I start my day out, have my cup of water, take an Alpha Brain, and that just keeps me mentally focused and dialed in all day long man i just love this product so much this is their flagship product over at onit.com and it's been a, a huge for me as a guy that's suffered a, a bunch of concussions some traumatic brain injury from being in the teams from blast injuries and breaching and all that stuff man this is a product that i depend on and that really makes a huge difference uh especially under the stress and duress of what i'm facing trying to manage and uh, with a family of, of, of uh, six, our family, six people and at-home education and all this stuff, man. Uh, this is the thing that keeps me focused. It keeps me driving. It keeps me uh, able to motivate everybody out there by using the Frog Logic message. So head on over to Onnit at O-N-N-I-T.com. That's Onnit.com. And check out Alpha Brain, their flagship problem. Tell them Frog Logic sent you, man. You can't beat that. All right. The other company that just uh, uh, is absolutely essential, especially during this particular time is Wise Company, man. Look at this beautiful, incredible uh, uh, box of freeze-dried food for my family. I mean, right here, you can't beat this. Wise Company uh, provides the best tasting, longest lasting, up to 25 years, uh, freeze-dried food that you can find on the market, man. I've been with these guys for quite a while. I love the product. I love the taste. I love the company. Now, they have been experiencing some delays because they're literally, oh, they're, 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 they're a manufacturing plant 
out in Salt Lake City uh, is running 24 hours a day. They're fulfilling thousands of orders a week, man. And, and so they will get to you. Just go ahead and make sure you have the right food supply uh, for this pandemic, man. Uh, and not to induce fear or cause any panic, but but man, the way I look at it is I always need to be prepared if the very worst happens, right? If our, if our different levels of systems begin to collapse and now all of a sudden we're not able to get groceries to there every single day, food lines stop, man, you want to be able to have enough food for your family, 2,000 calories a day for an extended period of time. You can't beat Wise Company. So head over to uh, uh, readywise.com is their new uh, website and you can find all their products. That's readywise.com. Uh, and you can find their buckets. They're three months, one month, two months, whatever you want to do. I've got about six months worth of food for my family. Uh, you can't beat it. That's readywise.com. Uh, uh, and if you put in the promo code FROGLOGIC, you will get 25% off everything they got in the store, man. You won't want to miss that, that promo code. It's incredible, especially if you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars. 25% off is massive. So again, put in promo code FROGLOGIC, 25% off at readywise.com or wisefoodstorage.com. All right. And lastly, man, we would love and appreciate your support. If you were to head over to teamfroglogic.com, check out uh, our new kids' books, our, our new kids' books, uh, Doc Frog and the Anti-Bully Brigade. And if you love that one, where Doc and his uh, team of uh, anti-bully specialists, Hannah Hawk, uh, Wiley Wolf, and uh, Semper Fido get together, and they teach young people who have faced bullying how to come up with a, a, an effective solution that will end it in its tracks and can help everybody involved. And then if you want more, go start and get Doc frog's physical training manual it's 12 different exercises to help you start getting fired up and ready for anything else also if you feel like buying a t-shirt a hat uh man we've got great frog logic uh paraphernalia oh that's not the right word right great frog logic uh kit and and gear uh we'd appreciate your support right now as uh, a lot of things have happened also if you or your company needs an online motivational training program or online motivational uh thing i can give a seminar i just developed one co called pandemic motivation find a pathway through the pain that will help you and your team address all the major issues that people are dealing with during these times to help you get back on track, make it through this and come out stronger in the other end. That's at teamfroglogic.com. Check out the store, contact us, and we're ready to be here for you. Again, thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. Please tell your friends about uh, the show. Uh, write a review online. Uh, listen to us on, on uh, subscribe on YouTube for the video. We just appreciate your support so much. Uh, God bless you and uh, take care. Stay safe.